Good evening and a very warm welcome to you all and thank you for joining us here at Equine Devil's Advocate for today's podcast. What a filthy weekend weather-wise, definitely a weekend for rubber gear. Today has been a whole heap easier, some sunshine, no wind and no rain, but still plenty of mud. But the good news, though, we are so very close to the shortest day of the year, the 21st. Hurrah! I don't know anyone on this side of the world that enjoys winter who has horses. But the winter solstice is a major turning point, as it means the sun is making its way back to us. Yay! And also, from that point, it will only get a little bit lighter each day. So, where were we on Friday? Ah yes, Dennis the Menace making a point. I am master of my own destiny and I do not want to be a racehorse. Hmm, potentially a very dangerous game for a horse to play or a brave one depending on our perspective. It has to be said there is a lot of truth in the saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make it drink. Actually, technically, it's a proverb, but anyway, it's also very true. Dennis was making it abundantly clear, and, as I said, for a horse, a risky business. But before we resume the story of Dennis, definitely the menace, Let's just explore horses making a point a little further. Does a horse have the right to complain, to object, to choose, to put his hoof down and to make a point? Well, it is actually a mute point with many in the equestrian world. Many say no, absolutely unacceptable. And others say, well... Where is the purpose in forcing the issue, as you're never going to get the best out of that horse if you do? So we're sort of really back to the willing participant again, but not between person and horse, but in the realm of horse and its job, career or role, however you wish to define it. But what I find really interesting is that there seems to be a rather different set of rules for horses regarding this, and much more so than with any of our other four-legged furry friends. Mm. There are also, you know, it has to be said, many, many variables as to why a horse will say, no, not doing it. Obviously, there's fear. There's not understanding what's being asked. There is pain. There is poor health, fatigue, hunger. And each scenario surely must be assessed honestly and openly to first of all identify the cause. With Dennis, it was just, no, I'm not doing this. This job is not right for me. He certainly felt he had the right to refuse and the intelligence to work it out and also probably the knowing that there was not a damn thing we could do about it. So on that note, let that be our question for this week. Does a horse have the right to make a point, to stand his ground? 
www.equinedevilsadvocate.com, Podbean, Facebook and YouTube when the link stops messing around. Hot stuff? No, it doesn't. Biscuit? Yes, it does. Koya? Maybe. And absolutely, go for it. Type away and let us know how you feel about it. And we will, of course, follow up on Friday with your correspondence. And so, the consequences of putting his foot down, making a point for Dennis the Menace. How did that play out? Well, let me tell you. It was, in fact, a very silent journey home from the races that day. Dennis travelled home with two of his yard mates, one of which won, and the other was second. Was he perturbed by his behaviour? No. He could be seen in the CCTV, munching away, ears pricked, looking out of the window. Did he realise that he had, in fact, altered the whole mood of the day with his antics? Four. Did he, in fact, now have the ability... You see, he did, in fact, have more than more ability than the other two horses with which he was travelling. If he did know he had created this air of gloom and disappointment, he obviously didn't care. Not a jot. All was well in the world of Dennis. A cosy warm bed awaited and a lovely juicy supper of warm mash. Mm, what could be better? His owner had in fact been in attendance that day and had witnessed for himself how Dennis felt about being a racehorse. Probably, poor man, reeling in mind-numbing shock at the fact that this exciting purchase, on paper at least, had thrown a huge spanner in the works. He bought a horse, but he wanted a racehorse. I was not privy to the following conversations that ensued between owner and trainer, but for the next week or so, Dennis, of course, continued to be worked and looked after properly, as he should be. Now, the other development on a more personal note was, at that time, I had decided to leave racing. I had made the decision that I wanted to start my own venture and run my own yard hence the move to Exmoor. But before that, I felt the need for a holiday, a little sabbatical, a breather to recharge my batteries. So I had planned to stay with my parents for a while. They, at that time, were living in an outer suburb of London, on the River Thames. It was a tough choice, leaving such a full-on lifestyle and so many friends. It's like a second family, but, nevertheless, I felt good about it, and it felt right for me to do it. And, as a little leaving present, and to support me in my new venture, Dennis's owner asked if I would like to take Dennis with me. He did not feel there was any further point in the expense of all his training fees. He conceded Dennis was actually not a racehorse, and once the shock had worn off, he actually had no problem in realising that Dennis was highly intelligent and probably actually better suited to a different life. 
the arrangement was, if I could find somewhere to keep him, I could take him to London. Or, if not, he could be turned out and I could take him straight to my new yard in Exmoor when I was ready. Obviously, all with a view to selling him to the best possible home for him. It was a gesture that I really appreciated, and I took Dennis to London. A racehorse, not in London. Well, why not? You can always find a livery stable somewhere. The one I found for Dennis was, in fact, a polo livery. Most of the exercising was actually done in Richmond Park, which is full of herds of deer and dog walkers and people generally partaking in some countryside activity and some fresh air on the outer edge of London. Well, after all, variety is the spice of life. And let's face it, Dennis was totally into view appreciation anyway. In fact, it all panned out very well. I had time to rest and recuperate and recharge my batteries and still have a very nice horse to ride. Dennis, needless to say, was instantly adored by all with his tongue antics and his aim with a corn broom. He loved being admired by the general public in the park and couldn't care less about the roaming deer. Master of his own destiny and born to be the centre of attention. Perhaps Dennis had played his cards right after all. Now, invariably, when in a new area, riding around in public on a very beautiful horse, one meets new people and makes new friends. One day in the park, I met Helen. She was leading a ride through the park from a small riding school that happened to be not too far from the polo yard. When is there ever a shortage of conversation where horses are involved? Never. We rode together and, of course, got onto the subject of Dennis and his story. Now, Helen was working at the local riding school part-time and going to college for her exams in horse management and the like. She was desperate to have her own horse and, needless to say, she was rather taken with Dennis. And the fact that he was for sale, well, she asked, could she try him? Could she ride him? Well, yes, I said. So we arranged an appointment for her to try him at her riding school, where they had an outdoor arena. To my complete surprise, on the appointed day, she, Helen, arrived at the polo yard, just as I was about to leave to take Dennis to her yard. A friend had dropped her off. She was so eager. Now one of us would have to walk. Well, actually, why? There was, in fact, plenty of room on Dennis for two. If he didn't mind, why should we? So, off we went, through the suburbs of London, piggybacked, through busy roads, traffic lights, roadworks, cyclists, taxis, buses, you name it. And the more attention Dennis got, the more he smiled. At Helen's yard, she rode him, and very well too. I put up some fences for her to jump, and ever the jumping superstar, Dennis demonstrated his precise footwork and exemplary technique. And of course, it was love. Helen was 1,000% smitten, 
just blown away by everything about him. And she had yet to see what his tongue could do. And also, so very important, he really enjoyed her too. He went really well for her. He did everything she asked with his ears pricked and a smile in his eye. Perfect, I thought. I went home to speak to the owner on the phone and Helen went home to speak to her parents. Oh, but sadly it was not to be. The numbers did not match. Dennis was not in the realms of racehorses expensive at his original purchase price and now his price tag was considerably less but sadly still too high for Helen and it transpired that there was little room for negotiation with both parties. On the one side there was a rapid depreciation in value and expense along the way and on the other side a young girl with no horsey parents. In fact, parents who said, What? That much for a horse? Find a cheaper one. I felt sad for her. But it's the way of the world. Still, she wrote him whenever we could arrange something. And then a possible development occurred. Possibly an interesting compromise. The lady that owned and ran the riding school where Helen worked had been watching Dennis and was also rather taken with him, not for the school, but for herself. She, in fact, enjoyed dressage and had seen the way that Dennis could move. She asked if she might try Dennis as a dressage prospect, and if all worked out, she would be more than happy for Helen to jump him, as clearly he enjoyed it and was, of course, very good at it. I told her that I knew... He could passage very well, but there had been obviously no dressage training in his life to this point. His history did not put her off. If anything, she rather preferred the idea of a blank slate, as it were. So once again, there we were, back in the riding school. This time, Dennis, ridden by Anna. Calmly, and with clarity, she introduced the aids of her seat and her leg and the contact, to which Dennis responded well. Mm, she said, nice horse. The concept of engagement and self-carriage, he adapted to readily and easily. Mm, she said, very nice horse. And I must say, watching visually, it was a very pleasing picture too. Anna then asked for a little more collection. Dennis responded well. She came out of the corner onto the diagonal line, half halt, then rebalance, and asked for some medium trot. Dennis engaged, lifted his core, came up through his wither, took the contact out and forward, and beautifully elastic, he went into medium trot. Over X, Anna said, I really rather like this. A sort of startled squeak emerged from her mouth as she sailed through the air in a forward somersault and then sprocked. Oh, dear God, Dennis, you are a menace. It was almost as though he read her thoughts. Just as she were about to say how much she liked him, he threw in one single 
enormous buck from nowhere. This job is not for me. I am master of my own destiny. Let me make it clear. And there he stood, tongue sticking out, whilst I helped poor Anna back to her feet. She really was rather dreadfully winded. Well, Dennis, I guess that's the end of that one. Huh. And so, together, Dennis and I left London for Exmoor. In the beginning, Dennis was happy on Exmoor, his usual self. But as the weeks went by, it became more obvious that he missed a life of hustle and bustle, of people, noise, traffic, the succession of admirers, whether they be pushing their children in prams and buggies and walking their dogs, or workmen digging up drainage holes in busy London roads, or admiring racegoers gathering around the parade ring. The endless quiet moors and fields of sheep actually held no delight for Dennis. He didn't misbehave, he just lost some bounce in his stride, little by little. I played with his tongue as often as I had time to do and wrestled with him with a corn broom, but he couldn't be the centre of attention any more. There was so much to do, beginning a new business and a new life and a new direction in a new area. He did all the right things, but he was losing his sparkle slowly, little by little. Then one more opportunity came his way via another new person, someone I had met whilst riding, someone who had two point pointers and hunted regularly. Lindsay. She worked for a very nice elderly lady who owned both of those horses. A lady who had obviously had horses in her blood her whole life, and though now just a spectator, kept these two beautiful horses in the lap of luxury at her house, which was only a couple of miles away. Lindsay would ride and lead, alternating each horse, and when I bumped into her out on a ride, on Dennis, the company seemed to perk him up a little. And of course we chatted. Her horses both hunted and were both pretty much actually the best point-to-pointers in the county and one of them was also a team chaser. She asked about Dennis, as clearly she liked his type, and I told her the full story, though I'm not sure she entirely believed all of it. But of course I did tell her that he was for sale on behalf of his owner, and she seemed intrigued. And sure enough, she told the lady that she worked for, and it seemed that she too had seen Dennis, and that he had caught her eye, on more than one occasion, as she had driven past us. Unexpectedly one day, I was just leaving my yard on another horse to exercise, and Lindsay, with her boss, drove into the yard. They asked if they could actually see Dennis, as they were somewhat interested in a possible purchase. Of course, I said, he is actually in the field, and I really must get on with exercising this horse, so please do just help yourselves and go and see him. I'll catch up with you later today, if that's okay. They said, absolutely fine. On my return, they had left, and Dennis was still grazing away in his field. After a short while, a car pulled in. It was Lindsay, 
without her employer. Everything all right? I said. No, came the reply. <gasps> We went into the field to see him. He ran at us with his ears flat back. Poor Mrs. B was mortified. She walks with a cane, you see, and certainly cannot run. I did my best to chase him away, but before I could, he got round me, clapped his teeth around her cane, snatched off her, and hit her on the head with it. We had to climb out of the field over the fence. Poor Mrs. B is having a lie down, and I've come back to collect her walking cane. Ah,、oh, jeez, Dennis, you are a menace! I thought as I went in search of the assault cane. I poked him on the nose so that his tongue came out, and said to him, "Well, I guess that's a no then." <clears throat> Over the next few days, I wrestled long and hard with my own conscience, and finally reached a decision. I called Dennis's owner, and I explained to him, "I cannot sell Dennis, and moreover, he is not happy here." I explained that he was losing his sparkle and his bounce, and although I had a responsibility to him as a client, my responsibility to his horse's well-being was, in my mind, greater. My life, you see, had changed. My responsibilities and my direction were different, and though Dennis had come with me to Exmoor, his heart had not. It lay somewhere, somewhere else, somewhere in a sea of people, activity and hustle and bustle, and variety and admiring voices and glances. I could not be the one to deny him that opportunity, that possibility. So we came to the conclusion, and the owner decided. Dennis went back to the sales. Back to Ascot Sales, from whence he had came. To this day, I do not know if he achieved his desire, his desire to be master of his own destiny. I hoped and prayed that he could, would, and did. In truth, many have tried and failed, but some have succeeded by making a point. So, if any one of you out there ever met a big, tall, liver chestnut horse with a white snip on his nose and one white sock, an elegant, long-legged thoroughbred horse that stuck his tongue out and hit you with a corn broom, let us know. www.equinedevilsadvocate.com, Podbean, Facebook, or YouTube. And of course, don't forget our question this week: Does a horse have the right to make a point? Hot stuff, no. Biscuit, yes. Coya, maybe. And do, of course, please join us again this coming Friday. Till then, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take care, and we will, of course, speak soon. <laughs>